0: Welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast, I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is Friday of the 18th week in Ordinary Time. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. And answer their prayers with unceasing kindness, that for those who glory in you as their creator and guide, you may restore what you have created, and keep safe what you have restored. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever.
2: Amen. A Reading from the prophet Nahum. See over the mountains the messenger hurries. Peace, he proclaims. Judah... Celebrate your feasts, carry out your vows, for Belial will never pass through you again. He is utterly annihilated. Yes, the Lord is restoring the vineyard of Jacob and the vineyard of Israel, for the plunderers had plundered them, and they had broken off their branches. Woe to the city soaked in blood, full of lies, stuffed with booty, whose plunderings know no end. The crack of the whip, the rumble of wheels, galloping horse, jolting chariot, charging cavalry, flash of swords, gleam of spears, a mass of wounded, hosts of dead, countless corpses, they stumble over the dead. I'm going to pelt you with filth, shame you, make you a public show, and all who look on you will turn their backs on you and say, Nineveh is a ruin. Could anyone pity her? Where can I find anyone to comfort her? The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It is I who deal death and give life. It is I who deal death and give life. It is close, the day of their ruin. Their doom comes at speed. For the Lord will see his people righted. He will take pity on his servants. It is I who deal death and give life. See now that I, I am he, and beside me there is no other God. It is I who deal death and life. When I have struck, it is I who heal. It is I who deal death and give life. When I have wetted my flashing sword, I will take up the cause of right. I will give my foes as good again. I will repay those who hate me. It is I who deal death and give life. Alleluia, Alleluia. Alleluia.
0: Happy are they who suffer
2: persecution for justice' sake.
0: The kingdom of heaven is theirs. Alleluia. Alleluia. The Lord be with you.
1: And with your spirit.
0: A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew.
1: Glory to you, O Lord.
0: Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wants to be a follower of mine, let him renounce himself and take up his cross and follow me. For anyone who wants to save his life will lose it. But anyone who loses his life for my sake will find it. What then will a man gain if he wins the whole world and ruins his life? Or what has a man to offer in exchange for his life? For the Son of Man is going to come in the glory of his Father with his angels. And when he does, he will reward each one according to his behaviour. I tell you solemnly, there are some of these standing here who will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming with his kingdom. The Gospel of the Lord.
1: Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ.
0: Because we celebrated the Feast of the Transfiguration yesterday, we missed the lead-up To the gospel which we have today. Um, And I think the lead up is actually really quite important because it sets the context for these sayings which Jesus gives to his disciples about, you know, taking up our cross and following him and and renouncing our life. Now, you know, we're actually in very close vicinity to the transfiguration gospel which we had. You see, Jesus has taken his disciples to Caesar. to Caesarea Philippi, and there he's asked that question, who do people say that I am? And, of course, Peter's the one to speak up. Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, one of the other prophets. But who do you say that I am? You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, you may remember I made mention of this gospel yesterday in in recognizing that this was actually in the lead-up to the transfiguration. But this is actually even more immediate to the gospel which we have today. Peter declares that Jesus is the Messiah and the Son of God and then receives high praise from Jesus. You're blessed, Simon, son of Jonah, because it's not flesh and blood that have revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. That Peter is the one who is the first to profess this faith in Christ and that he has received this revelation from the Father. He's the one who, among all the disciples, has received this revelation from the Father. And so, you know, he receives a kind of primacy. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Peter stands out amongst the other apostles in having a particular mission in articulating the faith. He received this truth from the Father. So it sounds like he's a, he's a pretty good listener, right? Well, Jesus keeps talking. He began to make it clear to his disciples, this is what Matthew writes, that he was destined to go to Jerusalem and suffer grievously at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, to be put to death and to be raised up on the third day. Now, what happens to Peter the listener? Get a load of this. Taking him aside, Peter started to remonstrate with him. Heaven preserve you, Lord, this must not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an obstacle in my path because the way that you think is not God's way but man's. So Peter goes from doing the listening to doing the talking. And it seems as though he's changed places. He's moved. He's changed position. That he has now gone in front of Jesus. He's not one who's standing behind him anymore as a disciple. He's standing in front of him. How? As a stumbling block in his path. Peter, you're in the road, and that's not where you're supposed to stand. You're supposed to stand behind me. So get behind me, Satan. It's a pretty humbling moment. Jesus has just conferred upon him this incredible authority to bind and loose. But Peter, you don't call the shots. Remember who you are. Get out of the way and be my disciple. Get behind me. Now, I think all of that is really important because Jesus continues his discourse from here. If anyone wants to be a follower of mine, let him renounce himself and take up his cross and follow me. Twice then Jesus uses that word follow. He said to Peter, get behind me. And now he says, if you want to be a follower, you need to follow. It's not quite rocket science, and yet... Peter got it horribly wrong. So much so, in fact, that he gets compared to Satan. In this short space of time, Peter goes from being an example of faith to being a warning. So where does the disciple need to be? Following Jesus. And where is Jesus going? He's going to Calvary. So, renounce yourself take up your cross, and follow me. And so it's at this point that Jesus then jumps into a bunch of um, admittedly somewhat confusing uh, paradoxes. He says, for anyone who wants to save his life will lose it, but anyone who loses his life for my sake will find it. What does that mean? Well, it would suggest that there is a kind of death which is worse than death. And it's worth losing one's life in order to spare oneself that fate, which is worse than death, which is losing yourself. But on the flip side, there is also a newness of life, which is far greater than just the preservation of what we currently possess. And if our highest goal is to cling to what we have in terms of the life that we possess now, then we're going to miss the opportunity to embrace the more. It seems as though Jesus has really upped the ante. There is a destruction that is worse than death. And there is a gift of life which is greater than any life that we possess now. But if I get that wrong... I end up on some pretty shaky ground. If my highest goal in life is me, is my own self preservation, then in actual fact, I'm probably going to wind up pretty lonely. If my highest goal in life is to protect and defend my life and to make sure it remains whole and entire without ever, you know, suffering any difficulties or struggles then surely everything around me becomes a bit of a threat. I can only risk the possibility of losing what I have. And so my life becomes the thing to which I need to cling. And everyone else out there turns into a bit of a threat. If I want to save my life, it turns out I kind of lose it. Because all I can do is lose it. Because at the end of the day, I'm going to die. But what if there's something greater than my life? Something worth pursuing that is beyond what I have and possess. Then my life becomes something which I'm willing to spend in pursuit of something more. My life isn't something that I now need to selfishly cling to, which if I lose, I lose everything. No, I can now take my life and apply it in favor of the more. That he who loses his life will actually find it. It turns out that when you spend your life, that there's more to be found. This here is the logic of the cross. If anyone wants to be a follower of mine, let him renounce himself and take up his cross and follow me. If anyone wants to be a follower of mine, Let them spend their life in favor of the more. To be a follower of mine means to walk to Calvary in order to arrive at the resurrection. Because to cling to this life is to find only the tomb. And so here's the paradox. It turns out that we really only have something to live for when we found something that is worth dying for. When our own lives are no longer the center of our own preoccupations. That it becomes about something even bigger. I found something for which it's worth spending my life. Because after all, what will a man gain if he wins the whole world but ruins his life? At the Saviour's command, and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say Our Father,
2: who, who art in, in heaven, heaven
0: we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Saviour, Jesus Christ.
1: For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever.
0: Let us welcome Christ into our hearts with an act of spiritual communion.
1: My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot, at this moment, receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen.
0: The Lord be with you.
1: And with your spirit.
0: May Almighty God bless you At the foot of the cross, you participated in Jesus' pain with steadfast faith. You, salvation of the Roman people, know what we need. We are certain that you will provide, so that as you did in Cana of Galilee, joy and feasting might return after this moment of trial. Help us, Mother of Divine Love, to conform ourselves to the Father's will and to do what Jesus tells us.